Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Delvalian with my co-host, Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be doing an around-the-world trip through the big five leagues. We're going to be talking through the clubs, the races, the transfers, everything that you could possibly imagine. We hope you guys enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? What's up, Lucas? How's it going, Nick? Took a week off, had some fun over the weekend, but uh, ready to talk soccer. There is so much going on. As Nick said in the intro, we're going around, well, not around the world. We're going around the country of Europe to the top five leagues, recapping what's been going on. Leagues have been starting to play again after the winter break. Um, Yeah, just a lot going on. So, Nick, before we get started, though, I wanted to uh, bring something up to you because it's actually very impactful for your team. What are your thoughts on the new rule that came out that uh, Real Madrid and Chelsea players, if they are unvaccinated, they will not be allowed to play in the Champions League away games in France? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the timing of it is so poor. Uh, that's, the, that's the first thing. I think... Uh, this, if this is something that they decided, they should have decided this from the from the beginning, right? Rather than the timing of this, uh, as Real Madrid and Man City travel, or is it Chelsea? Sorry, Real Madrid and Chelsea travel yeah, to to play against uh, P- PSG and Lille. So for for those away fixtures, I think uh, in terms of Chelsea, I don't think the impact is that high. Um, their squad is so deep, right? I know they're going through a lot of injuries and stuff, but when they play, they're going to be playing uh, a month from now in February. So, so in terms of of February uh, or of Chelsea being able to play, right? Uh, Real Madrid plays PSG fifteenth, uh-huh. right? So that's one month from now. Chelsea's tie, even though it begins in February, I actually just looked this up as I was saying this. Uh, they go to Lille mid-March, right? So going to Lille mid-March, uh, they're going to they're gonna be healthy, right? Like, that's what we're banking on. And I think this impact for Chelsea, considering the fact that they have the home leg uh, first, I think this tie could be really wrapped up by the time they get to the second leg. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned with Chelsea. On the other hand, with PSG, Real Madrid, PSG is like a whole different animal. And in terms of Real Madrid, Real Madrid is not as deep as they were in the past, right? Uh, I just think that in terms of the players, we don't know who's unvaccinated and who's not officially. We do not. That's correct. So so it's going to be tough for, for us to kind of understand the impact that it's going to have on this clash because we don't know really for sure uh, who is vaccinated and who's not vaccinated until we get there. Yeah, you actually make up a great point that I didn't even think about is when the fixtures are, when and where the fixtures are. So Chelsea having their home fixture first, it gives them an edge because they know they can handle that second fixture, that away fixture with some of the guys that may be unvaccinated. And I saw a stat that in the Premier League, not necessarily Chelsea specifically, but in the Premier League, there are 16% of unvaccinated players among the entire league so i would assume chelsea are probably in a good position in terms of who they can bring to france um i'm not sure how how real madrid are though uh, and especially psg is not an easy competition um so that'll be one to watch out for 
However, with that, I still think Real Madrid has the depth to be able to still compete against PSG. But it, it's a toss-up, really. It's a toss-up. Yeah. I like, if we this don't impacts, know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we just don't know how many players, right? If it's three yeah. or four players, it's it's manageable, right? If it's half the squad, it's so much more difficult. Yeah. Uh, and it's exactly what you're saying. If we if we knew ex- exactly the list of players uh, and their statuses, then we would know how big of an impact it is to Real Madrid. Uh, but like like you were saying, like regardless of of how many are, are not are at Chelsea, they'll be they'll be more than likely okay. The question is for PSG and Lille, or do their players one have to be vaccinated, or two if they're unvaccinated, are they not going to be allowed to play? Uh, that's something that we have to look out look out for, and we'll circle back with uh, and share the updates. But I'm sure we'll 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 be talking about this again when we preview the games the Champions League games yeah and uh with that being said I think it's fair to to go right into the the leagues right so uh I kind of wanted to start off with the the Premier League Lucas yeah of course let's do it yeah I mean we're talking (laughs) I just want to talk about the game uh Tottenham versus Leicester yesterday right where uh Leicester has a lead Going into injuring time, they're up 2-1, and they just completely self-destructed. And, I mean, just, like, horrible. Like, the, what to, what Tottenham did just is so similar to what happened to them when they played against Ajax. And yep. that got them to the to the final of the Champions League a few years ago. So, I just think with, with Spurs, right, this result is so massive for them because they they go into fifth place, they hop above Arsenal, and they still have a game in hand. They have three games in hand over West Ham. Uh, so just just incredible. But uh, I just wanted to hit that note first before we get into the standings and everything. Yeah, I, I cannot believe Leicester literally just gave up there. Uh, you see them at the end. They actually, the tying goal, of course, okay, something happens. They they let up a goal, a tying goal, but that game winning goal that uh, Bergwijn scored, it's like the defense just gave up. Like he just ran right through him. It was a through ball. Nobody was picking him up. Nobody was tracking anything. They just pretty much let him walk through. And I mean, Tottenham deserved deserved to win that game anyways. But I mean, if you're up two to one in the 95th minute, you should. <laughs> One maybe one goal you shouldn't let up two goals in two minutes definitely not no. but yeah that has huge implications in the top four and we'll get into this but he, Spurs are also two games they have two games in hand for United are and are one point ahead so there's a lot going on but Conte has definitely turned this side around yeah I was gonna say he's he's made such a big impact with this team despite you know having little to no uh, players coming in and out. Uh, he's, I mean, he's won 60% of his games. He just seems to be right off the bat the, the guy that Spurs have needed for, for a long time, which is annoying. Right, but, yeah. But fine. But yeah, so let's, let's get into the actual standings. And, and there probably hasn't been much since the last time we talked about the Premier League, but at the top, we have Man City. They're just running away with the league. It's actually crazy how far ahead they are. They are 11 points ahead of Le- uh, Liverpool. They do have one game uh, ahead of them, but 11 points is is a lot of points. They have four uh, 
four goal differential better. But what's crazy to see here is that they're 12 points ahead of Chelsea, and Chelsea have that game in hand. Or, sorry, City have that game in hand. So, Chelsea have played one more game and are still 12 points back. They, Chelsea have just been brutal in terms of form. Brutal. Yeah. Like, they drew to United, they drew to Liverpool, which, for me, I would say it was a lucky draw. But they had losses that were bad, like, to Man City. They lost to West Ham. Um, they drew to Wolves. They drew to Everton, who I don't think we even talked about Everton, but Everton had sacked Rafa Benitez. Uh, they're they're looking for a manager now. It's yeah, it's just crazy to see how well Chelsea were doing in the beginning of the season, and then from October on, just all downhill. Yeah, I mean Man City. I, I was looking this in all competitions. They won 16 of the last 17 games. Uh, like That's ridiculous crazy. form. Their only loss is against Leipzig in a game that didn't matter to them. So That's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, they've just been they've been uh, obliterating literally every single person. It doesn't matter who they play, what club, what players. You know, like the form of the other team. It doesn't matter. They've just been winning. Uh, it's crazy that you know we have like these three world class squads. Uh, I mean, you can count four if if you want to include United, uh, but like, but like they, United have fallen off so badly, so I don't even think it's worth putting them in that conversation. But Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City, and it's just crazy to think that halfway through, uh, in my opinion, that the the title race just feels like it's over. Yeah, I, I would put City's squad at another level compared to, not compared to Chelsea. I think Chelsea have a have a pretty relevant squad, but City have a significantly better squad than uh, than Liverpool. Their depth is just second to none. I think City's B squad can probably finish second in the league, which is crazy to say. Yeah, second in the league to City's A squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, look at the players that they have. They have Kevin De Bruyne, they have Phil Foden, they have Riyad Mahrez, they have Raheem Sterling, uh, Rodri, Jao Cancelo, Bernardo Silva... This is still just attacking or, like, really, really quality players. They have four quality center backs who any of them can start. Uh, it's just it's just crazy to see. They have probably six midfielders. They have Riyad Mahrez is currently in the AFCON, and he hasn't even— it's like they haven't lost a step. And even their 100 million pound purchase of Jack Grealish— he hasn't done anything, but nobody's talking about it because <laughs> it, it because City are just doing so well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, their signings like over the summer, you look at it and they spent so much money, but it wasn't. It's not like it made any impact. It didn't change anything for them in the league. You know, they. We, I think we talked about this when when they signed Grealish. You know, but like, where's where is he going to play? How is he going to play? The competition for the positions that they have for him, he's just going to be just another guy there. Yep. And, I mean, the one thing that they really need to get that extra dimension to become the best team in the world is really, like, the out-and-out striker. Harry Kane. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. Vlahovic. Or Vlahovic, yes. It doesn't It doesn't matter, though, because they're still winning without that key piece, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to see how, how different they are compared to the other two teams. But, you know— I- they're a favorite to win, not, well, obviously the Premier League, but the Champions League. I think yeah. this is their year. 
Yeah, they have to be. They have to be. I mean, it's in my opinion, like Man City, Real Madrid, and Bayern are the only three teams I can see winning it this year. Yeah, uh, 100%. So, well, yeah, well, I think we talked about the top three. If you want to just get going with the, to- uh, the to- top four race, you can go ahead. Yeah, I mean, West Ham really, like, l- losing to Leeds was really bad for them. Uh, great for Leeds, terrible for West Ham. I think with that being said, they have three games played more and two games played more than Arsenal and Tottenham, which I think is uh, is the real like interesting point there. They play two. Well, one extra game more than United uh, in terms of West Ham. I think their start to the season was great. I think they've really fallen off since then. And I think despite them being in fourth place now, uh, I don't see them being in there at the end of the season. The team that worries me right now, uh, if I'm an Arsenal or Manchester United fan, is t- Tottenham, probably, yeah. right? Because they've just been so well-informed. That result yesterday, they should have never won that game. Uh, they they have a point ahead of both Arsenal and United with less games played. And I just think that they can really uh, assert themselves in that f- fourth spot. Will they keep it? We obviously don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time... Uh, it's it's really going to come down to uh, who's healthier for longer, right? And right now, Tottenham is is the healthiest. They are currently the healthiest, but I mean, the reason why Tottenham have done so well, they really in the league have only had one difficult fixture, which is Liverpool, since uh, I want to say November. That was their most difficult fixture. Um, where they drew Liverpool, yes, but they won the games that they needed to win, uh, which is just that they they're doing what they have to do. And getting Conte in at the time that they did was actually ideal, because him getting those players playing the way that he wants them to in against the teams that are let's just say lower in quality, it was necessary for them because now they're gonna they're gonna get into a rough rough patch of games where. They're facing Chelsea on Sunday. They're going to face Man City in February. They still have United. They still have uh, Liverpool to go. So it's going to be very difficult for Spurs at that moment. But, I mean, they are in the best position right now. Uh, I would have said Arsenal was in the best position before yesterday's game. But... Spurs winning that game was just huge for uh, for them and a big blow to both Arsenal and United. Yeah, the fact that they postponed the North uh, London derby too over the weekend. I mean, for for I think in my opinion, uh, legitimate reasons, right? Uh, it's not it's not anyone's fault that Arsenal took advantage of the rule. You should just blame the rule instead of the the club. But that, with that being said, right, their remaining fixtures, you make a great point. They still have to play Chelsea. They still have to play Liverpool. They play. They have to play Man City again. They have to play United. They have to play Arsenal. They have to play West Ham. All, all with the remaining fixtures, right? It's not like they've played uh, any of these clubs twice. It's the Premier League schedule, if you guys are listening, uh, totally different than La Liga or Serie A. You do not repeat the first 19 fixtures again. You, It's, it's just a mixed bag. For your schedule yeah. so so really some clubs here uh at the top of the table have played more competitive teams more difficult teams than tottenham has 
And their their back half is going to be more difficult, definitely, than their front half. That was a great point, Lucas. Yeah, and on top of that, that second, those three games that they still need to play, it's possible they have to play double game weeks. And I'm not sure if Spurs squad is capable of playing double game weeks, personally. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Spurs 100% right now, they're in the they're in the best position. I'd say followed by Arsenal and then followed by United. All right. With Before we go, Lucas, I have just one last question for you. Has Newcastle done anything to change your mind? No. They're still going down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably have to agree. Personally, right I, think, I think Everton getting a new manager is going to bring them up. I think Watford... They have decent enough players to be able to do well. So, yeah, I don't think Newcastle have done enough. They are looking at getting Diego Carlos. So that could be a big signing. They are looking at getting Jesse Lingard. That could be a big signing as well. If they get those two players, I think it could be a different story. But as as it stands, uh, they haven't. Yeah, and Burnley also has only played 17 games so far this year. So. Exactly. So they have three games ahead and four games ahead of Norwich and, uh, and Newcastle. So I just think that, uh, you know, it's going to be this relegation like this year is going to be so tough because I do, I mean, but Burnley, like losing Christian Wood has has really done like some damage to them. So I, I thought that they would stay up uh, just based on the sheer amount of games, but having only one win and losing arguably your best player, I think that really kind of nails the coffin for them. And that's unfortunate because I really like Burnley. Yeah, 100%. All right, Nick, let's uh, let's talk into the second league. Uh, let's do La Liga. How about okay. that? All right, the boys. I'm, this, there really hasn't been any changes whatsoever since we last talked. I yeah. think everything's the same. Uh, Real Madrid still topping the league. They're still in great form. Uh, Sevilla is still in second. They've picked up their form recently. Uh, Real Betis in third and Atleti have fallen off significantly in the last few match days. Uh, they're in fourth currently. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not even going to bring up Bar- Barcelona right now. But from the top four, Nick, what do you think is the biggest surprise? What do you think is, uh, is this sustainable? Is this how you see the top four finishing? Yeah, I see the top four finishing exactly as this. Uh, you said you talked about not mentioning Barcelona. I think that's totally fair, considering. No, 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 we're gonna have another segment. Okay, okay, just cool. talk Barcelona. No, 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 I know what you mean. I think that's totally fair though to to talk about these four teams in particular because they have been the the best four teams. Atletico has pl- like not been good this year compared to how they were last year, and I still think that there's a chance that they pick up their form mm-hmm. real. Real Betis has been the the surprise of the season, right? And Sevilla has also been consistently great. When you look at these uh, these three teams, right? Betis has the second most goals scored in the league with 37, and I I just think that Sevilla has the best defense in the league with only only 14 goals conceded. So if you're talking about these two teams, they're both uh, they're both doing really well. Betis is obviously a surprise. But typically when you look at the, you know, the history of the leagues, right? The team with the best defense in the league usually ends up high up there, right? Very rarely do do teams like this, like, essentially not qualify for the Champions League. 
Uh, for Betis, right, if you're – I mean, normally you would be the highest-scoring team in the league, right, with 37 goals, but this year it's Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. The argument, though, is that if you're if – you're, you know, the gap is so large with Real Madrid and the rest. Real Betis is four goals ahead of, like, the next highest-scoring team, which is Atletico. I just think that in terms of in terms of these teams, uh, I just I just feel like they all bring something to the table that's unique to them, and that's why they'll end up being in the top four at the end of the year. Atletico, being that their form's been so bad, it, it's only going to be up from there, and they're going to eventually pick it up. Real Madrid just being far and away the best team, you know, they have all the star players. You can make the argument that this year they have two of the best players in the league, right? That there's no argument. They yeah, do two, the two best players in the league. Yeah, offensively and then defensively, they have you can you can say that I, like I don't know. We'd have to think about this, right? But they have they have like they're in the argument for having like three of the like the top ten or whatever. Just just yeah. throwing a number out there. But and that's they, crazy because we said Real Madrid at the beginning of the season. We said their defense would be the biggest concern. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I mean, eighteen goals allowed in the season. That's that's doing pretty well. Second least. Or third least uh, goals allowed. That that's really solid. Yeah, I agree hundred percent, Lucas. So you know you have Real Madrid with the complementary football. You have Sevilla, Sevilla with the defense, Real Betis with the offense, and Atletico with the ability to pick up their form because their squad is just too good. You yeah. know they they arguably from top to bottom have the best squad in in the league. So I just expect for them to pick up their form. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then with that, I mean. I I can see Barcelona finishing in the top four. Um, they have picked up form slightly recently, uh, but Nick, I want to hear you, I want to hear Rand on Barcelona. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Okay, so uh, I mean, what Barcelona is doing uh, correctly, right, is uh, a lot of the times with Barcelona, like. Okay, politics comes to play, right? In terms of how how they develop, what they do. What I've been seeing a lot with their lineups is the uh, they're they've been more prone to playing younger players, and when they do that, that usually bodes for more success for them. They brought back Danny Alves, right? Some of the signings they've made have low key helped them greatly, right? Registering Danny Alves and being able to register Ferran Torres yeah. after after sending Coutinho out. Uh, has helped their situation a lot because they get a, another wide out and they get another player that shores up the the right back position. Which honestly, like we love the potential of Dust, but he wasn't he wasn't playing well. Yeah, and, and Alves at least gives you some kind of consistency there, despite his age. Then you, you know have, where you're getting. What's up? You know where you're getting with Donny Alves. Exactly. So with that being said, right, another benefit of having these players removed is it opens slots for you to be able to register your youth players as actual squad players. So they did that with uh, Gavi. They, they've done that with Nico Gonzalez. And that opens up the ability for them to play more of their younger players from the academy, right? So I think, I think with Barcelona, there's a lot of things that they've done really well in terms of their transfers. Uh, and their ability to register players that they've signed to to make them better, I think that they are like five or six times better off than they were when they started the season. Because I feel like we see some direction now with where they're going. And when a club has direction and you see that the board is making decisions that are beneficial for the club, 
that kind of leaks all the way down. And I think that's allowed for them to, to benefit. And then also, Lucas, I just want to add before I get this back to you, the second thing that's also happened is they gotten some players back that they've needed, right? Yeah. Ansu Fati and Predri uh, are now in, back in the squad, and that's allowed them to really kind of get more squad depth and to to be able to to play uh, to play healthier, you know. And I I just uh, I just think that for them, you know, they picked up their form. And like you said, I don't think they'll finish in the top four. But if they did now, you wouldn't I, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, right? Compared to at the beginning of the season where we thought there was no shot this team was gonna make the top four. Yeah, we were talking about the Chavi signing for a manager, and we said it it was a few years in the make, not in the making few years. This was a signing for down the line because we're, we're seeing what he's doing now. He's bringing in the younger players. He's already started to wash out some of the older guys. Um, you don't see Memphis Depay. He's fully healthy. You don't see him on the match day squad. You don't see a guy that's been very controversial lately, Usman Dembele, because he doesn't want to re-sign the contract, Xavi is like, okay, I don't want you. So they're trying to sell him now, get more money into and try to get other players that they need. So you can see what he's doing. You can definitely see a vision. Um, and I think that younger players that they have are just so, like, they have so much quality. Uh, you have Anzu Fati. If, if he can stay healthy, he's so good. You have Ferran Torres, who was Spain's arguably, arguably Spain's best player uh, in the Euros this year. Yeah, and he was also a key component of that Barcelona team. Uh, sorry, Man City team last year. You have uh, Gavi. You have Pedri, who's coming back. It, it It's lining up well. And you still have some of the older players, some of the players that are more experienced. You have uh, Sergi Busquets. You have Pique. You have... Uh, Ter Stegen. You still have Frankie de Jong, who everybody thinks is a more experienced player, but he's still young. He's still 24, 25 years old. Uh, the kid is, he's a fantastic player. So you can see what he's doing. Um, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if they finish in the top four because they do still face Atletico Madrid. That's actually February 6th. So if they beat Atletico Madrid, and essentially, they win uh, the games that they need to win. I can see them finishing in the top four. They're only one point back of Atleti. Yeah. And same amount of games. They're, they do have the goal differential. They're one point back of Atleti and Real Sociedad. So they win those two games. I can see them finishing in the top four. But if they don't finish in the top four, it wouldn't surprise me. Either way... I think they set themselves up well for next year because Chavi's getting the younger players more experienced and he's going to get them into a position that they know what to do next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you, that you said. Uh, it's crazy to me that they want to still sell De Jong uh, because I still think that he's quality, right? Like they're still looking to sell him and Ter Stegen. Uh, just, uh, just super interesting with to me just because those are you know some of their best players. Like I just imagine the future of Barcelona just being the the young Pedri and Gavi center of midfield. I just think that's like a you know top tier midfield that's that plays against like anybody else in the world. Uh, but in terms of Barcelona, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. They, um, I mean, we can talk about the relegation 
for like two seconds where there's no surprises. Usually with Alves, Cadiz, Levante, and Mallorca, these are always the teams that end up uh, going up and down. They're historically known as the yo-yo clubs here. So it doesn't matter who really ends up being relegated here. The only thing to note is that they'll end up coming back up regardless, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I do want to talk about... uh, I do really want to talk about Real Sociedad for two seconds as well because th- this team has so much talent, but like they they just have no squad depth, Lucas, and that's that's their biggest problem. Their starting eleven is so good, but in terms of how they like they literally beat Atletico yesterday, you know. I so so I mean if you're talking about their their lineup, right? They they can play. They have Silva. They have you know Isaac, who we re- both really like. Yeah. Like, they have like all these players that you look forward to, you know, like there's so many players that, uh, that, that are quality that other teams would want. Or as a ball is, is arguably their best player, right? Like no one knows who he is, but everyone knows Byron wants to sign him. Mm-hmm. So, so when I look at this team, I just see that they're, they have great chemistry, their quality, but they just don't have the depth to compete. And that's why, uh, I don't even mention them when it comes to the Champions League spots because I think they'll, at the very best, qualify for Europe. But I just don't think they have the depth. I mean, yeah, that that's a great point. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any anything more to add. So uh, with that, let's uh, let's run through the city uh, and then Liga and Bundesliga pretty much straightforward. Um, yeah. So that'll probably be like a couple minutes. So. City, uh, it's actually quite tight right now. Very surprising. Um, but there's been a lot of controversy recently. Uh, AC Milan are in second place right now with 48 points with a, with uh, 22 games. Inter have a game in hand uh, with 50 points and 35 goal differential. And the reason I say there was a lot of controversy is because there's been a lot of like flaky or hazy penalty calls for AC Milan that have essentially helped them to stay in this title race. Whereas Inter are just full-blown cruising right now. Inter lost Lukaku and Hakimi, and I think we mentioned this a few weeks back, but they haven't missed a step. They lost Lukaku, Hakimi, and Conte have not missed one step. I think the way that Inzaghi has, uh, has done the business for this team has built this this team this season it's been fantastic to see uh they really are they have the most goals scored there's such an attacking threat and they they made very smart signings despite the fact that last year they were nearly about to be bankrupt like they needed to sell their entire team so the fact that 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 was going on and they still were able to sign Edin Dzeko for free Hakan Chalanoglu for free, and they still maintain some of their top players like Brozovic, uh, Nico Barella, uh, Alexis Sanchez. Do, uh, even they also signed Dumfries to replace Hakimi, which essentially is a one-for-one swap. Like I, Humphries has been fantastic for them. So uh, for me, even though it looks like it's a tight tight race right now, I I see Inter walking away with it, and I do want to mention Napoli because Napoli were in such a great run 
But ever since uh, Osamnem uh, had gotten injured, they really had dropped off. I don't even know if I said that right, but... <laughs> it sounded like really well pronounced, Lucas. I can't Perfect. even... I love it. Um, ever since he had been injured, uh, they really dropped off. But they still maintained their only four points back of Inter. Um, so it's really just those three, I think, in the title race. Everyone else is just fighting for that top four. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Inter, Inter have been far and away the most uh, most impressive I, I agree with you with the sketchy penalties. Right now, Inter has the most penalties, like, uh, conceded or, or awarded, right, by one. But AC Milan is literally one behind them. Yeah. Last year, just to put it in perspective, AC Milan had the most penalties awarded with 20 last year. 20 wow. last year. They scored 14 of them, right? The next closest team was uh, Sassuolo with 14. And then if you're talking after that, there's a huge drop-off where Juventus and, and Lazio both had 10. Wow. So, so both, you know, like the third and second, well, the third and fourth really tied for third. But those two clubs combined had as many penalties awarded as AC Milan and scored as many as AC Milan. That's crazy. Yeah, super crazy. And that being said, right, Inter, like they have nine this year. They had nine last year. So, I mean... The I agree with you. Like this, this number I'm bringing it up this year, not to say that Inter has had penalties and they they have you know not been justified, but like the way that AC Milan has been awarded these penalties has been so sus. And then if you look at last year and you see that they had 20 penalties awarded to them, I just uh, I just think that that's kind of suspicious. Like you were Very saying, suspicious behavior. Very. Yeah. Suspicious behavior. Yeah, and we know we all know about the history of of match fixing in Italy. Yeah. So I I think that was such a great point that that you brought up, and I think if we're talking about the top four, right? Juventus have surprised me. Yes. Uh, and and Fiorentina are are in there too, but like Juventus have been on such a crazy run. I don't know how they're doing it, Lucas. Like I re- I legitimately do not know. I mean, uh, you do know they're, they have the talent. They're a talented team. Um, but the game that really stood out for Juve in the last, like, 10 was when they were down 3-1 uh, to one to Roma. 3-1 uh, to one or 3-2. to two, I, I can't remember what it was. 3-1. to one, I think 3-1. Uh, Juve scored three goals. Roma were cruising in that game. Cruising. And then, boom, Locatelli. Uh, Dejan and then Dechilio, like literally three goals in seven minutes. That was the game that probably turned their season around and probably saved their season from being a disaster. Because if they didn't make the top four, 100% would be a disaster. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's going to be so tough, right? Because I look at these teams and I I probably feel like you think Juventus is going to make it over Atalanta, but I feel like the opposite. I feel like Atalanta is going to continue to to bang in goals and uh, do the things that they do. Because if I look at the players that Juventus has and, and I look at the players Atalanta has, the players that Atalanta has scares me more. Uh, with Juventus, right, like, I just, I just don't feel like they have the squad anymore. I know that sounds so crazy, but like, I just, there's no player that I look at there, right? That's not you. Yeah, and and not, and not only that, like, I like, I like 
you know, delight. And uh, I like a lot of the defenders, but the the other defenders besides him, Chiellini, Bonucci, they're so old. Yeah. Uh, Rugani, like, is fine. Sandro's fine. Locatelli's been great for them. I will say that, right? Chiesa has as well, but Chiesa got hurt. Yes, exactly. Like, Chiesa has was arguably their best player, and he got hurt. So I just, I just don't, I like, I don't feel it in my, in my, like, in my heart. It really just comes down to February 13th, that Atalanta and Juve match. And also, Juve have a big matchup this weekend against against Milan. Yeah. Um, it, that game will be a, a game changer. Yeah, that could change my mind. To, huh? That could change my mind, yeah. Yeah. So if Juve do go uh, to Milan and win, that's three points right there. But also one thing that I forgot to mention for Atalanta and Juve is Atalanta has a game in hand, and they have one point ahead. So it really comes down to, I'll, I'll say, two games. The Milan game this weekend and the Atalanta game on February 13th. Those two games, if Juve can win them, that's six points right there. And I think that can probably take them over the edge to overtake Atalanta for that fourth position. Yeah, Atalanta already beat them once this year, too. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking at like confidence going into a fifth share, I feel like Juventus against any of those four teams, right, is not is not favored to win. But like you were saying before, if they are able to beat Milan and Atalanta in those two fixtures, that definitely changes my perception of them. Yep, yep. It, it definitely will be the one of the most interesting ones to uh, look out for. I think this top four and, uh, I mean, La Liga, Serie A, and Premier League, all the top four battles are very tight. It's just the league has pretty much been won. Yeah. All right, Lucas, before we jump to uh, Liga and the, the Bundesliga, I have one more question for you. Hit me. So, the most popular jersey this year, right, by far has been Venezia's jersey. You can't get them anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. you, can't get, you can't get their jackets, their attires. My girlfriend went to Venice, to, and I asked her, the only thing I asked her for was a Venezia jersey, right? Couldn't find them. They were sold out everywhere. So my question to you is, if Venezia get relegated, do you think I'll be able to buy one of their jerseys next year? Or do you think they'll still be sold out because of how fresh they are? Wait, which jersey are you talking about? I'm on their site right now. The only jersey that's sold out is the home jersey. I mean, that's the nicer one, isn't it? Uh, it's the black one, yeah. The, yeah, the, the way kit's fired, too, though. Yeah. They're the all fired. Lots and stuff like that. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, they have hoodies too, oh. right? Like they had the same hoodie with the the V, like in the same way too. And uh, yeah, man, like it's just so fresh. Their attire is so nice. Their crest yeah. is so nice. And uh, I don't care who gets relegated in this league as long as Venezia stays up. Yeah, I mean, you're better off. Even if they don't, even if they don't stay up, I think you can get a, a jer- I think you can get a jersey anyways next year. I think it's just it. They're fire. Uh, you just have to be on top of it. You have to be quick. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> hey, shout out to the jerseys. Shout out to the jerseys. All right. With that being said, uh, I want to talk about the Bundesliga because, you know, the it was done, right? And after a couple of games and after Bayern lost to Mönchengladbach. Uh, Wait, by the way, who who called that? 
I don't know, man. I don't know. Some really smart guy on the Off the Post podcast called it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take credit for that. It was not me whatsoever. I was not smart. I lost every single bet in this year in 2022. Nick was a brilliant. He He's being humble right now, but he was brilliant calling that. Oh, man. If I had parlayed that Bayern, that Washington oh, Kovac game with the, the Jags to win, because I, I really, like, I had both of those, right, Lucas? That was that would have been, like, plus 4,900 odds. Uh, I would have, I would be doing this as my full-time job. Like, honestly, that would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so, so I mean, Bayern losing that game still six points ahead against Dortmund. Uh, I don't think anything's going to change there, right? Those two are definitely going to qualify for, for the Champions League. So there's no debate about that. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Leverkusen, Hoffenheim, those two teams, uh, have come up on the fray. The, mm-hmm. The, but the thing is, though, like historically, right? Leverkusen has been a big club, so if they make it, we wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, do you expect RB Leipzig with the the change that they made, right? Firing Jesse Marsh. Do you expect them to be the fourth team, right? Because they're only three points off of Hoffenheim. There's there's such a small gap from fourth here to 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 really like tenth. It's yeah. Like four points. At the end of this year, who do you think gets that fourth spot? I I don't think it's going to be RB Leipzig. Okay. I I think it it will be Hoffenheim or uh, Frankfurt. I don't think it's. I said it from the beginning of the season. I didn't trust RB Leipzig to do well this season. Um, I do think it's Frankfurt because they are actually a very very good side who have some quality talented players. Uh, that just stick together. Like, they have Eric Durham. These players aren't really players that people would know, but their quality, like, uh, they have Timmy Chandler uh, from the U.S. men's national team, Kevin Trapp as the goalkeeper. I think it's going to be uh, either them or it'll probably still be Hoffenheim. Okay. That's my opinion. But okay. I don't think, I, I personally don't think Leipzig will do well still. Because of the fact that, that they lost pretty much all their players. Um, they lost both their center backs. They lost uh, Daka. No, Daka was from RB Salzburg. Sorry. Um, they lost uh, Nagelsmann. So, it, yeah. It, it's just a big change that it was tough for them to begin with. That I just don't see them doing it. Okay. I just I I I kind of disagree. I think Leipzig will will be in the conversation. I think they may get it over over Hoffenheim. The the thing that's that's disappointing about the Bundesliga is like other than Dortmund and Bayern, uh, the other teams that are typically in the conversation this year, other than Leverkusen, have been really disappointing. Yeah. Like before right, Leipzig, Frankfurt, uh, like are in the conversation, but. But you know, in any normal year, they'd be they'd have more than twenty eight points uh, at this point in the season. Wolfsburg, I'm pretty sure they qualified for the Champions League last year. I could be wrong, right? I'm they pretty did. sure they did. They did. They're in fourteenth right now. Oh. They're in fourteenth right now, uh, and Mönchengladbach is in twelfth. I was going to say, yeah, Mönchengladbach is very surprising. Yeah, exactly. Both have negative ten and thirteen goal differentials. So. So, you know, those two teams that are normally in the conversation are not in it. 
So I just I just don't know who's going to snag that fourth spot. I know that whoever does, right, it opens up the future for them to be in the conversation where they're consistently competing because I could tell you, like, the one thing from observing this league after all this time is that the, you can only expect consistency from Bayern and Dortmund and you can yeah. expect inconsistency from every other club in this league. That You said it perfectly. Um yeah, I don't think there's been a consistent team besides Bayern and Dortmund. And no. I, probably the most consistent was RB Leipzig, and that was for like three years. Since then, it's up and down for everybody. Yep, I agree 100%. But, I mean, if any team has the ability to bounce back, it's probably them, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But they do face they face Bayern in two match days. Um, and then they still have the Europa League, so you have to factor that in. Having to play multiple games uh, in a week, it, it could be difficult. It could be a, a lot for them. I agree. I so agree. We, we shall see. Uh, at, at the current moment, I don't think they make it, but you do. So we'll see. So with that being said, we're going to grab our baguettes and our croissants, and we're going to go all the way over to Liga. Lucas, take it away. I mean, this is probably going to be the shortest recap ever preview ever whatever it may be psg is up they're just fully dominating it um they have only one loss 15 wins five draws uh with 50 points and a 24 goal differential so the next closest is nice with 39 points uh same amount of games so 11 points in hand this is a farmer's league um i think (laughs) the most surprising thing though is looking at lille Lille won the league last year, and look at where they are now. They're in eighth place with 32 points. Uh, It's just mind-boggling how they won the league last year, did so well. And a lot of the players that they had are still there. Yeah. They still have Sven Botman. They still have Burak Yilmaz, Jonathan David, Renato Sanchez, Tim Weah. They still have the same players. So uh, I don't understand where this drop-off came from. But the drop-off from winning the league to not even being in a European place is crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at, like, the surprises, uh, Strasbourg is very surprising to me. I think Ren, uh, even though they're they're all the way down in fifth, right, they've, they've really performed uh, pretty well this year. They just won 6 nothing against uh, Bordeaux, right? And... Um, I just think with them, they can they could definitely end up being back in the conversation for the top uh, four. Really, the top three places are what qualifies you for for Champions League. I'm pretty sure. So, uh, I just think when it comes to to them, they'll end up being in one of those spots because they just they're they're defensively sound and they can score goals. They just encountered a bad patch of form where they lost three in a row mm-hmm. uh, season. But I just think that's that's going to be you know, the only time that it happens, uh, happens to them. I agree with you on Lil. Lil has been so surprising because, you know, we, we both like Jonathan David. And so, and so he's going to be someone that's going to be, uh, coveted by other clubs in the summer. And to see Lil fall off like this is so interesting because they, they have so much talent to them. You know, they have Sven Botman, they have David, like you can go on and on. They have Yomaz, like they have all these players that were part of the same squad as last year, regardless of who left them. And they should be expected to do just as well. 
Also, shout out to shout out to our boy William Saliba at Marseille. <laughs> to to be fair to them, they are only three points back. You're right. um, but what really is hurting them is that goal differential. Like you you see teams like uh, Rennes who has a 21 goal differential, even Monaco with a 10 goal differential. A two goal goal differential is tough to overcome. Yeah, I can see them getting to fifth or sixth, but it'll be very, very difficult for them to get into that top four. But hey, never say never. If they get on the run, they keep winning games. They have been on a decent run, winning three of the last five and drawing two, uh, those other two. But we'll, we'll, I've been saying this a lot. It, a lot of it is we'll see. Yeah, yeah. What needs to happen for PSG to lose the league this year? <laughs> <laughs> for the league to get halted. Okay. <laughs> Literally for the te- for the league to get canceled. Okay. How yeah. many players how many players in PSG squad need to get hurt before PSG loses the league? Uh there are 28 players in the match day squad. Yes, 28. Okay. <laughs> is up they play. can even bring their they can bring the youth and they'll still win the league. Okay. If they so if they lost like Mbappe, Messi, uh, Icardi, Neymar, Verratti, uh, Sergio Ramos, Marquinhos, and Hakimi. Would you still favor them to win? Yeah. Okay. I would yeah. too. <laughs> I yeah. would too. That's crazy, man. I don't even know which names you said, but I, I still would favor them to win because they still would have Julian Draxler, Juan uh, Bernat. They would still have Ander Herrera, Idrissa Gay. Like... Yeah, they would still Genie. I don't. You didn't even say Genie Wijnaldum. Oh, you didn't no. mention Di Maria, like Gino. Nuno Mendes. When all of them hasn't even that been, been that good for for them. So what? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's the thing. That he's still quality. Yeah, I agree. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so, so I feel like we should go straight to our our bets, but before we do. I just want to hit you with some uh, some quick hitters, okay? And then yeah. we, we can go from there. So, uh, our boy Graham Potter, your favorite manager, right? Confirm, confirms that they signed uh, Tariq Lamptey for less than one million pounds, right? In terms of <laughs> in terms of fun facts, how many Tariq Lamptey's do you think it costs to get one Danny drink water? Oh, wow. Wait, I should know this. Because Danny drank water from Leicester to Chelsea, though. Correct. 39. It's a good guess. Probably right. I was going to I was gonna accept anything from 33 to, to, to 39. That's a good guess. Um, it says 33, right? Oh. It says 33 as the official number. So, okay. So, if listen, if it costs less, less than a... Uh, Less than a million pounds for for our our second favorite right back, right? He's sick, man. He's so good. Watching him play against Chelsea that that match day, it was he was so much fun. Both okay, so, their, both so, their side backs. So I think you're right. So it says 35 million pounds for for Chelsea to sign him. If he costs less than a million pounds, then you can make the argument that 39 is the correct number. Lucas, great guess. Let's go. Yes. Uh. Dude, 35 million pounds for Danny Drinkwater. Are you kidding yeah. me? Okay, so I do want to touch on uh, Dembele, right? Okay. Uh, 
So I think what Barcelona has done, if they're doing great business, is really good. I also think that them wanting to kick Dembele out this transfer window is not going to happen. Like there, no one's going to want to sign him in uh, in January when they think that they can just get him for free in the summer. You know what I mean? And I don't think that they're, they're going to want to go for a transfer fee when they know they can pick up that extra money. Yeah. Don't you agree? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm just going through. I have like one other one that I want to that I want to hit on. So with this, right? Arsenal have had 14 red cards since Arteta became the head coach in December 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you guess the other four or the other three? The, the other three. Explain that again. What was, so, the- so uh, let me rephrase. The four, four of the teams that have had the most red cards since Arteta has been appointed. Arsenal is the top with 14. Okay. Can you guess the other three in the top four? Oh, oh wow. Um, no. Uh, it could be any of them. Okay. Um, Leicester? No. Okay. Well... Everton? No. What the? I just want to get one. Who's gotten a lot of red cards? I don't even know. Uh, who is a very aggressive and scrappy team? One more, one more guess, okay? Okay. Let's see. Man, uh, Newcastle. No. Oh. Southampton with eight. Oh, so that would have been... Wow, eight? Yeah, so six Leicester cards in, in those, like, two years. Uh, and then Man City and um, Brighton with seven. Wow. Brighton would have been a good guess. I thought you might have guessed Brighton, too. Okay, so before we get into our best, last thing... Wait, wait, wait. Speaking of Arsenal, I do want to bring something up to you. I knew you were going to do this because I was also going to bring this up. Go ahead. Did you – okay. All right. I mean, this is a good segue into the betting. Okay. Because did you see what happened with Arsenal and the betting scandal and players getting – Arsenal players getting a lot of yellow cards? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I saw that, and I wish I was a part of it. <laughs> I mean, the refs are definitely going to get fined. It's uh, crazy. But – who do you th- it says Arsenal player is being investigated. Who do you think that Arsenal player is? I don't know. I have no idea. Could you think it could be your fellow uh yeah. compatriot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that so. or Obama Yang. Okay. Yeah, I could see that too. I just think that yeah, man, Jaka, there's so many irrational things that he does. <laughs> That it doesn't make sense, and then if this were to happen, it would uh, totally make sense. Yeah. Right? Uh, that being said, though, sidebar talking about Arsenal, they've placed a bid for our boy Matt Turner uh, to be the backup goalkeeper because they Leno is obviously leaving after this year. So, I mean, that would be great for, for uh, the United States to have him in that role at Arsenal. I think he's a great keeper. He's like around our age, grew up around our area. So shout out to him. Hope it goes through. Agreed. But still, we would want him to get playing time and not just be the backup, full backup. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no way he's going to play ahead of Ramsdale, honestly. Yeah. But at the same time, we need a cup keeper. Uh, yeah. Well, no, that would that just further solidifies that you would sell Burn Leno. I agree, 100%. And now with that being said, right, uh, let's talk about our bets for the weekend, Lucas. So, Nick, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not doing any bets this weekend. I've been so cold. I don't want to tell the fans what to bet on because it'll just be wrong. Okay. So I have nothing, but I will come back next week. Okay. That's Hopefully. cool. I'll maybe maybe that. one week off and then I'll like change, change things up. Okay. That's cool. then. I'll just give two bets then for, uh, for this week, just because I just think that, uh, I don't know. It'd be good. So for Man City, Southampton, right? The, uh, over under for for three and a half goals is plus 126 i really think that uh man city are capable of putting a lot past southampton and southampton are capable of conceding nine to anybody so i just feel like uh the over under for three and a half is really juicy here you get plus odds for plus three and a half so plus three and a half uh well plus 126 for three over three and a half goals is my first bet i like it yeah, I just I just feel like that's the that's the best move you could possibly do here. And then if I'm going through, uh, I do want to place a, a La Liga bet, right? So I'm gonna just check these out. And um, let's see. Wow, Real Madrid minus seven hundred against Elche after already playing Elche today. That's very interesting, but that's you know that's like literally what, not edible. What's the spread on that? I'll take Real Madrid minus one and a half. Let's see. Win by at least two goals. Again, I'm saying that, but also you probably shouldn't do that because I'm saying it. Yeah, Real Madrid's favored by two. Yeah. So Real Madrid by two is plus 135, though. All right. Interesting. You could also do a handicap draw at plus 260. But I would never, I would never do that. I, I, I mean, if you're gonna bet Real Madrid, you should bet the the plus one thirty five for t- for two. Uh, I was really thinking about like goal scorers, right? And anytime goal scorers. And I mean, Vinicius is minus one ten here. I just feel like you should just always bet Vinicius at that rate. You're basically doubling up. Benzema at the same time is minus one eighty five. So I just, I feel like that's a juicy bet, right? Uh, I really want to double check though before I commit to that bet. I want to see if he played today. Vinny or Vinny? Yeah, I want to see if he played today. And it looks like he did, which is why I guess he has lower odds. Uh, I guess they're assuming that they may rest him during that game day. So I'm not gonna bet that actually, Lucas. That yeah. Yeah. I'll instead, uh, I'll instead just go simple. I'll just go Betis over Espanol at plus one thirty. Ooh. All right. Yeah, so I like that. And then uh, let me just scroll through memory lane and let's just see if we see anything that pops out that's interesting. Uh, Alexander Isaac to score. No, 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 Lucas. You said you'd stay away. You're right. You're right. You say you stay away. So let's stay away. Those will be my two bets. I'll do do, uh, over three and a half, the Man City-Southampton game, and we'll do Real Vitas to the Espanol, uh, both at plus odds. Lock it in. Love it. All right, Lucas. Next week, I'll be back, back and better. Sometimes and you need a break, man. Sometimes you need a break. You're right. 
if all you're thinking about is gambling 24-7, then you need to put the phone down, delete the app, and uh, not think about it. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, Lucas, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? No, I, I love this recap. There was a lot that we talked on. Um, uh, it's going to be actually pretty exciting to see for the end of the year. And especially there's going to be World Cup qualifiers. There's going to be World Cup playoffs. There's going to be a lot of soccer coming up. Yeah, so, I agree. A lot to talk on. So we talked about this privately. Uh, this is going to be the last thing before we, we close the podcast. What do you make of uh, AFCON and the situation with the referee uh, in the 85th minute stopping the game? And then, uh, and then stopping again in the 89th, and then calling them back to finish. I don't know what to think of that. One, but it is pure entertainment. Yeah. Because I don't know how a ref could even do that. You, how do you stop the game in the 85th, and then stop the game in the 87th, overturn the VAR red card? Like he just went rogue. Yeah. And he just he was very stubborn. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're saying that they he had heat stroke, which I don't know if I believe, honestly. That's yeah, like very hard to believe. Yeah, like I just I I don't know. If that was the case, then uh then they should have really they should have really had a backup uh overtake him because they have uh they have literally protocols for this kind of stuff. If the referee's hurt, there's a, obviously I think the fourth official is the person that takes over or however they do it. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, absolutely disgraceful. I thought that was entertaining as hell. Just got to say that there's, I never thought they'd be able to incorporate like the WWE drama within a, a soccer game, but they, they like managed to have it. You know what I mean? Like the scripts, the drama, uh, it was all incredible. I just think that it's, it's good coverage, uh, or or it's it's not good that this happened, but it's cool that people are speaking out against it because it goes to show that people care about this tournament, and there are some players that are worth watching, right? Uh, hopefully, like the tournament uh, and the competition continues to grow, and the uh, the corruption lessens with specifically Afcon and their stuff because no one's sketchier than them, honestly. Yeah. I still don't know why they have the tournament in the middle of January. I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. Doesn't really make much sense. No, and the, and the, they have it in really odd years. Yeah. It's not like there's a measurement for it. Like it's not like it's every two years or anything like that. From what I remember, it's like it's like sometimes they do it every every year and then they skip a year and then they do it again. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I have no no idea. Well, we'll see what happens at the end. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do some more research, be better at it. Yeah. Uh, when we find out who's playing in the final, and we'll go from there. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah. Until then, enjoy them, Techers. Enjoy them, Techers. We'll see you guys next week.